Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Des Bishop Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Boy, I tell you. You couldn't get me in a better mood. I've had a crazy few weeks writing this new series, and even though it's only episode one, it was filmed yesterday. Still more episodes to go, but a weight feels lifted off my shoulders. And for those that are curious, the show went great. It goes out tonight at 10 p.m. It's uh, approximately 7.30 now. And uh, we got a great guest on the podcast today. Joanne McNally, who some of you may know from the Republic of Telly. Uh, I know her from a number of things, including Singlehood, a very interesting show, which we talk about uh, in the podcast. I also know that she did an adoption, a live show about adoption with PJ Gallagher. Both of them are adopted. And um, uh, yeah, she's been gigging a lot lately, but she's only doing comedy three years. And we chatted about, well, I really... Meeting her, I wanted to talk to her about, um, you know, being adopted, knowing that she'd done the show about it, so I was very curious. But I did not realize that she's also done a show about her battle with a, an eating disorder, and uh, that was also super interesting. And she's a very interesting woman. I love chatting to her. I couldn't believe it that we'd never met. I felt like I knew her, but actually we had never met. I'd only seen her perform. And then we have so many mutual friends. I've got so much sort of bits of information about her from different people that I thought I had known her. But anyway, there you go. I met her for the first time today, and we sat in my car for an hour and 10 minutes. So this is our chat. It is the perfect blend of serious and humorous, which is exactly what I would like every chat to be. Not that I'm judging any other chats, but I very much enjoyed this chat. And I hope you guys enjoy it too. So enjoy, Joanne McNally. We've, I I can't believe that we've never met. I know. It seems very odd to me because I'm just very aware of you. I was saying to someone I was over in London at the weekend doing a gig for um, Maria Schwepp and Nisha. Well, Maria more so. And uh, I was saying I was doing the podcast, and I was saying I'd never met you. And they're like, "How have you not met him?" I was like, I "Yeah, don't well, know, I, I guess just, since you started doing crossed. comedy, I've been away. You've been, yeah, I'm being here, yeah. But my first gag was about you. I I know. I, I heard all testicle. about it. What? About your testicle. And my testicle. Did you not know that? No, I heard, <laughs> d- tell your o- your very opening gag. Okay, so my first opening, and this was my first ever stand-up gig in the world. So obviously, you know. Yeah, just do it. it. You don't have to, it's fine. So it was, everyone. everyone's wondering why Why would a woman get into stand-up comedy? I was, get, I was going in it to get the ride off Des Bishop. And they went, ha ha ha. And then I said, turns out he only has, I heard he only has one testicle. Which doesn't matter to me because I've got numerical dyslexia. So by the time I'm finished with them, I think he has eleven testicles. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Well, I didn't. Really, I no, no one ever told me the second part. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. I look forward to that. Whereas now, I'd never, <laughs> now, now I'd never admit. I'd never not admit, but I'd never like. 
go on and announce myself. No, the way woman. somebody, yeah, the way I mean? somebody said it to me was like, people say, "Why'd you get into stand-up comedy?" It's like, "Why does any woman get into stand-up comedy?" Sleep with those Bishop. That whatever. was it. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, it. Actually, why was any woman? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never actually, I've never been with a comedian. Have you not? Well, I, I, I was with one like, kind of, uh, really early days, but she was kind of an actress. She just dipped her toe in and then got back out of it. But they do that a lot of um, people. If you can, if you, if you act and you're funny. Stand up is a very good way to kind of um, get a profile quickly, isn't it? Yeah, because I, I, I guess so she was yourself. cool. She she did she did the international for a while and she was cool. But yeah, that was uh, that was a long, long time ago. Uh, and then are, and then one are... other uh, one other woman uh, got into comedy after we were together. But I, I had she she never expressed any desire to do stand up while we were together. But I guess perhaps there was a, an attraction she... to comedy. No, I don't think she was. I'm sorry, I'm making an assumption you were going to say you think she was trying to get with me for because she wanted yeah, to get was, into comedy. Yeah, well, that actually was what I was going to say. Well, I, I, I don't I don't think... No, I, I think that... But she was obviously attracted to the world of it. Yes. You know, and that was probably part of the attraction. I think men in comedy... I think um, it really works for men if, if in comedy. Like, women, we, they're called gag hags. They just... They yeah. love a man standing on stage making people laugh. That's what I keep saying. Women, we make out like we're really hard to get, but we're just one knock-knock joke away from being spread out like a jam sandwich. <laughs> yeah, well... We can all be laughed into bed like that. It happens well, all the time with lads who look like Monster Munch. It's awful. It is a, it, it, it is a strange thing that a very ugly comedian, a very unattractive... I don't want to shame anybody, but a very non-attractive male comedian can become very attractive by doing comedy. Yeah. But uh, I think to a degree, uh, men on the flip side, men get intimidated by women on stage. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like, I don't think work, it helps. Yeah. It doesn't work the same way, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, I've, I think I've talked about it once or twice, but I've always been fascinated by that. I don't know if it's, I'm not sure if it's if it's sexism or just what people find attractive or is it the way we're conditioned? I don't know, but. I think it's the way we're conditioned. I, was, I read a really interesting book recently called The... Um, the female brain right. and it's all about like the science of attraction and all that yeah. stuff and women ultimately like are, are looking for kind of providers even though like I know that's very anti-feminist for me to say but do you know what I mean but Biologically, you think that's some sort of innate biological it is, thing it's, it's not I know for a fact it is yeah and so that they can provide for us and then we don't we can just like stay in the hut and do all that shit like this is from back in the day right so I think when you're a man is that's why I always have this um, conversation with friends of mine about money and I'm like often with lads it's not the fact that they have money that's attractive it's what it makes them powerful and that can be attractive to women right yeah I mean, you know I, I, mean? I think I think I think possibly there's something to do with the, the, the attraction of power with a comedian the fact that they're in control of the room all yeah. the attention is coming their way unless they're shit yeah well yeah but I guess of course that's the least attractive thing <laughs> unless I guess unless there's like a caretaker in the crowd that's yeah. like oh I need to mind him. That well, was very difficult. Everyone can have shit gigs, but yeah, it's really uncomfortable watching someone have a, a bad gig. It's uncomfortable to oh, watch. Yeah, it's yeah. the worst. But yeah, no, I think it's a power thing. Unless you're a comedian watching another comedian have a shit one, then it's so delightful. <laughs> Comedians are such wankers. Can't wait to fucking rip on them when they're done. And, and they're like, like, wow, that was great, bro. And they're like, oh, I thought that went really well. And you're like, shut yeah, up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's definitely a power thing. But I know that male comedians basically ride rings around themselves. I think it kind of comes with the gig. Yeah, well, there's tons of there's tons of double standards though when it comes to sort of like the way people perceive not just in comedy but the way people perceive a man's behavior and the way people perceive a woman's behavior. Yes. Like I bet you people are much quicker to point out if you've been like quote unquote dirty or doing like 
stuff about sex people are probably quicker to be like oh you're very dirty um probably and i don't really do that much i do talk about sex but in a in a kind of like not in a dirty way although maybe it is although actually well, i love it i mean i i don't understand i don't understand this judgment even of oh that's 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 very sexual that's very dirty that's how somehow that's less I like worth. talking about that yeah, stuff. Yeah, me too. I think it's I mean, funny. And there's yeah. loads of material there. Although you never know Particularly how... Particularly in Ireland, I think it's important because people are... I think sometimes people are still a little uptight when it comes to sex. I would say we're the only country... Because you know what we say here, like, I got the ride. And we don't even put their name at the end of it. What do you mean? Like, in other countries, like in America, where you're from... Yes. What would people say? They'd be like... I fucked Paula oh. or whatever. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not good for those comparisons anymore because really my, 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 my sexual life has been here, actually. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I'm talking about, lingo-wise. Yeah, well, no, look, I, the one thing I will say absolutely for certain because I've been spending more time there is there's just a little bit more comfort, comfortability with sexual chat, uh, sexual behavior. Just people are just a little less hung up about it. But we're, we were always a bit behind. We were always a bit behind in that area like but now we've got tinder and all we're really coming along now no no i know we're I really know. coming no, along we're catching I, up i'm not it's, it's really less about the behavior it's more about just the comfortability around talking about it and then also like the the judgment about talking about it on stage yeah like I, american comedians are definitely more inclined to talk about sex yeah uh, well i i do talk about it but they there's they they actually they they there's giggling and stuff do you know that kind of way yeah. a little bit oh sometimes. i mean i talk about it too people are into it but i also notice generation generationally there's a big difference yeah like younger people are definitely less hung up here in ireland yeah yeah and i think other countries made that transition a little earlier in our evolution i do gags about the withdrawal method and i've kind of had to stop doing really? them because they just people get tight they're like they do, there's a lot of like what or like, or men, put, men. I don't. You don't their, need to do the routine, but what do you? Men putting their ha their heads in their hand as if like. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just can't understand that. Yeah. So what? What, what is the what is the uh, the part of the routine that perhaps is a little uncomfortable? I just talk about because I talk about contraceptive and uh, getting pregnant and not getting pregnant and how it's much harder to not get knocked up than it is to get knocked up and all this shit. Yes. And then I say about um. Uh, Johnny's and how everyone hates them and how I'm a big fan of withdrawal method but then the girls were like it's really dangerous to use the withdrawal method because apparently sperm can survive for seven days once it leaves yeah. the body and then I'll get a lad in involved and be like did you know that and he'd be like no and I'll be like there you go your sperm's at home dying all over your laptop screen you're sitting here <laughs> la 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 oh, la la people la. get uncomfortable because it's about sperm yeah and but it's the that. withdrawal method thing that they just they're not when I say withdrawal method everyone just kind of really? looks at the ground yeah I'm mad. I, I can't get I don't get that or I'd be like, Does any, is anyone here a fan of it? Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's because I'm asking them to get involved. Yeah, well, I have a routine about period sex, which when I first started doing it a few years ago, like originally, I stopped doing it just like you saying about the withdrawal method because I couldn't handle crowds getting tight. But then when I, I, I came back to it through another sort of, through another routine, it sort of came back and fit. <laughs> and then I understood, then I understood how to sell it. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, but, but. But that's internet. Like that's not an Irish thing. Internationally, crowds can get a little tight. You talk about period sex. Yeah. But I, fi I figured out a way. And I don't want to. Like I'm not really interested in making them uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I'm no, not me neither. Trying to reinvent the wheel. I'm just trying yeah. to make them laugh. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, it's good. So I, I think it's good subject matter. So it's, you're you're an interesting one because you've gotten to comedy now, but you've gotten to comedy after quite a lot of sort of stage experience. So you haven't you haven't sort of followed the normal. I've just got into comedy path. Well. 
Yeah and no, I guess. Like, we were talking about that show, Singlehood, before. Yes, that's what I know you from originally, Singlehood. Yeah. I saw you at the Electric Picnic. And, I mean, in fairness, you were the standout performer. I mean, I was there to see Eric and Eva Jane, but there was something, you know, alluring about you. You know, Thank like, you. there's yeah, there's something, there was something else going on there. Thank you. Uh, it's very nice. Um, but so I did that show. I was I was working away, and Una McEvitt, well, she's not. She's a friend now. She wasn't a friend at the yeah. time. Um, said she was casting this show, and would I like to do it? And it was going to be half real people, which is like me, like non actor. Oh, you were a non actor? Yeah, yeah. No, I was. Oh, I thought you were an actor. No, no, no. All right. Well, then we better explain what Singlehood was. Do you want to explain it? Yeah. So Singlehood was a show where it was a lineup. I think there was eight or nine of us, half real people, half actors. And comedians, and it was us talking about our love lives, and we we acted out other people's interviews and stuff. So some of us were married, some of us were single, and it kind of went like that. It was like gay, straight, bi, whatever. And um, I was just working away in PR. I wasn't doing anything. Really? No. And this show was meant to be about sort of like it was kind of like a workshoppy thing where we we're trying to, you know, just understand the different types of single people and relationships and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was it's very accessible. Everyone's been. Mm single or not single or whatever and, sure. um, so yeah we did that and it, it kind of it did okay and we toured it and, um, but it was interesting because there was a lot of there was a lot more creativity from you guys than the average sort of acting gig yeah well you see I suppose sometimes if you're if you've no training you don't know you've less inhibitions yeah yeah you, you're just kind of saying whatever yeah. comes to mind and it was it was nicely timed because I'd just been i just broken up with a lad and um I started telling that story about being broken up with this bald lad, and uh, one of the one of the guys from the show had to drop out, and then PJ joined the cast, and then he, PJ Gallagher, PJ Gallagher joined the cast, and then when he suggested I do stand up off the base of telling that story about the bald lad. Oh, cool! Well, that's good. There's a lineage there because was, I kept PJ in the game. Did I ever tell you that story? No. He was going to give it up, and I asked him to come on tour with me right after I sort of broke out after the work experience. Really? Yeah, and from touring together, he was like, oh, actually, I actually, I like it. Oh, no way. Yeah, but it was, which was kind of a curse because he was miserable ever since because he kind of hates doing stand-up. Yeah, I think he, <laughs> I know, yeah. He was. He used to get terrible stage fright and all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, bad stage but fright. But it, it was that thing. I, I, I did feel like he was... Because he, he, he said to me, you should go you should go down to the halfpenny and like do a couple of minutes. Yeah. And I was just never going to do that. Like, I never aspired to be a stand-up comedian. Right, okay. That, I don't have... I didn't have that ambition at the time at all. And like, that takes serious balls. I'm 33 now, so 30. Wow, so that's very late to all of a sudden think, yeah, why not? Yeah. Like, you could understand if it was like a lifelong ambition that suddenly you got the balls to do, as you say, but uh, it's odd to just kind of at 30 go, yeah, why yeah, not? Yeah, I know. But I liked performing as a kid. I really liked performing as a kid, but it wouldn't have really been considered a job in my family. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. So I did, I went to college and did all that jazz yeah, but then I was no... just I wasn't having a great time with that and when Una offered me the, the role in singlehood I snapped her hand off so yeah. I was like and when once I started doing stage stuff with her I knew I was like this is what I want to do oh, cool. but I was really lucky because Una and PJ really pushed me like I was going to go back into Pure and Una you know, oh, when Singlehood was done? Yeah. Wow. And she was like, don't, don't go back in. And then uh, PJ brought me on tour with him as the like little kind of interny in between bit between him and Eric Lawler. Oh, right. Cool. That was, all oh, right. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. So then how did the adoption show come about? So, um. Because that's quite the baptism of performance to go, 
I'm in PR. Now I'm in a collaborative, you know, sort of ensemble show where I'm actually sort of talking a little bit about my personal life and my, my relationships. And then you're sort of like an open spot that happens to be opening up for PJ Gallagher. Yeah. And then suddenly you're in a show that you're writing about being adopted. I know, yeah. That's a that's a quick journey. Yeah, it is, yeah. It is. I think there was I think when you're a bit older, you're probably I was like, yeah, I'm just going for this. And I was very unaware as well. I was like yeah. in this little bubble working with PJ and Una. We just wrote a show. Yeah. PJ is a name, so we got booked and then the show worked and So um, so but PJ had had he done a documentary about already about adoption or was he just I mean I, I obviously I know PJ's whole story about him finding out his host family actually are his parents are still together. No, it's mine. Yeah, I mean I know about all that. Yeah. But I mean it's not about him, but I was very aware of PJ's story, but I know he... I, I was always slagging him going, I'm the only person in Ireland who didn't know you were adopted. I said, by the looks of it you never should have talked about it. <laughs> but he's like, No, no, no. Oh, did just... he not do a documentary about it though, no? Maybe. I know there's some story that he did where he's sitting in a swing on the front of the Indo talking about his adoption. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, but but that was the your show. Regardless, came after that. Yeah, yeah, and we did a lot of press around. We did the late yeah, late around separate. Yeah. Um, so when we and when me and PJ were touring together, he was the first person I'd really spent any time with that was adopted. Right. Aside from my brother, but like we don't really talk about it. Sure, sure, sure. So and he'd already found his biological parents, and because I had this big shift in my life and my career and I was kind of going into performance and I knew there was something in me that really wanted to do that but there's no no performing in my background and I got even more curious about my biological parents you know yeah, I was like sure. maybe it's Twink and Johnny Logan or something do you know what I mean <laughs> maybe I come from this long showbiz dynasty sure 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 um which didn't turn out to be the case at all but uh but yeah I was just getting really really curious and the more we spoke about it it was he, he kind of inspired me then to go and find them oh really which i did while we were touring concussion so concussion was the adoption show no concussion sorry was his stand-up show oh sorry yeah and then una it was una's idea she was like why don't you do a show about your adoption and he had said he tried to make adoption work in a stand-up before and it just didn't it's the same as like i wrote a show since then about eating disorders and i tried to make that work in stand-up but it didn't it didn't work so pj was like it needs adoption it needs like its own yeah, but wait a minute. But but you you began the process of finding your par- your biological parents in advance of the show. Yeah, not because of the show. It was all happening at the exact same at the time. Exact same time. So so stick. I actually I I don't know the story because I didn't see the adoption show. Okay, okay. But I wasn't around at the time. I wanted to see it because I was very curious, and I had always talked to PJ about his stuff. So. So what happened when you began the process of finding your biological parents? So the big thing for me was. I don't look like anyone, like anyone. Like, it's really hard to explain because often people say who really look like their siblings, they're like, yeah, but we're not close. I'm like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. You look like them. You you know yeah. where you come from. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like you and your brother are like, yeah, we're quite, like twi- similar. quite similar. You're like don't twins. On, no, never mind that. <laughs> okay. I'm on this thing every week. Uh, so, <laughs> so that was a big thing for me. And as well, as I said, kind of going into the performance um, area and I always really liked writing and stuff and I was just curious to know a bit more about myself really and um, yeah, I mean, it's completely understandable I don't think it needs to be explained yeah <laughs> I think most people but would... some people who are adopted it ne- they never they have any interest it. yeah right interesting and I did I really did feel like not disconnected that's too strong but like I really felt like maybe there was someone out there I was really like and I really yeah. wanted to meet them so um, I went to the agency grant they sent a letter off to 
my biological mother, um, and she wrote back to me, and in the picture, she sent a picture of herself, and she looked nothing like me, like the op- polar opposite of me, and I was so upset. Really? Yeah. I was drinking a gin and tonic, I remember, and I went out and I fucked it against the wall in the garden. I was so upset. Angry. Yeah, I was like, this can't be right. I was like, this, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I was like, there has to be, a, a, there's, been a, a, there's been a mistake in the agency. So, but this t- at this stage, I had her first name and her surname. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm just going to find my mother myself. So I put her into Google Images and found this woman. Let's just say, we'll call her Sarah Byrne, right? Mm-hmm. So I found this woman called Sarah Byrne, who was the absolute spitting image of me. And she was... Um, a writer and a poet no I'm shit at poetry but you know and a painter and I was like oh my god I can paint this is amazing I never knew that about myself <laughs> and she'd emigrated Ireland in 1983 which was the year I was born so I was like that was obviously from the shame or whatever so I was like this is her I can't believe it and I I downloaded her picture and I showed it to everyone for like a couple of days and everyone was I just enjoyed seeing their reaction because she was so like me and then I started emailing her saying like I'm pretty sure you're my mother and she said, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started sending her pictures of me beside her and like collages of our faces so she'd see how similar we looked. And then eventually she shut her shut her Facebook page down. Yeah, because that is bored. You absolutely did that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I'd say yeah. if you never had a kid, that that would be pretty freaky. No? Yeah. She was like, Joanne, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm definitely not like. And I, I most people would take that and go, okay, Graham, but I, I honestly was like, it's funny how you obsess so much about the the, the looks, likeness. Yeah. yeah, but it's I, I can't like even now like I'll show you I'll show you the picture. It's unreal. It's unbelievable yeah. how like she. Although you see what you want to see at the same time. Yeah. But uh, it, she just fitted the idea that I had in my in mind. Head, yeah. So I was like, right, I'm going with this. I don't really care if so she says she is or not. She... So then I went back to the original biological mother and it, you know accepted that that was Your her. Mother. Yeah. <laughs> And, we don't um, like to find an improved version of our mother. I know, and I, did, I, I had to tell her, like, and she was totally grand with it. But we started chatting, and we uh, got to know each other a bit. But in the so she gave me the name of my biological father. So it's a very long story. And uh, no, hey, we got loads of time. Okay, there's no, there's no rush. We're not on spin here. Yeah, okay, you know? grand. Yeah, we're, no, we're, like, wrap it up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So she told me the name of my biological father. So I found him on Facebook, um, and emailed him. Again, this like very dramatic. I hope you're sitting down. Yeah, but you got that child. from your mother. This was no longer through the agency. No, this was like we were on our own now. Mm. And uh, he and I poked him on stuff, and he never responded to me. So I was like, right, okay, that's that's that then. And I was always more curious about him because my dad died when I was quite young, and so, and I really missed having that like father figure. Sure. So I was way more interested in him. And when you're adopted, you get this this pamphlet comes with you when you arrive to the house. Although I'm sure they collected me. I don't think I made my own way there. But it, it gives you like a physical, your phys, who, what, who you look like physically. And her description was she was small and um, petite and whatever. And then his was tall, loads of hair. Uh, just, he just sounded more like me. Yeah. So I think the physical side of it, then I latched onto that as well. So I was really disappointed. But at this stage, I'd met um, my mother and things were rolling and I was kind of happier myself. I was like, oh, it's not that big a deal. But then me and her had to stop talking because I won't go into it. But it was I think she just we never found the balance of how much contact we were really going to have. Like what's yeah. realistic, 
you're like me and PJ talk about it in the show when you find your biological parents you think that's the end of your journey and actually it's just the beginning of a whole other right. bag of madness like yes so um that was fine and then out of nowhere I got an email of him and he said I, he was like I'm sorry I'm just really shit at Facebook and I didn't get your mail and my 14 year old son just found it in my emails and hi and I was like hi wow hi dada yeah <laughs> so um and that was that was cool was he so totally shocked or he he knew like he knew that there was a child out there that oh, right. he had spawned yeah. but he didn't know anything else but uh he's really he's all about it now it's great she lives in Australia oh right um, but I met a sister there the other day and uh yeah it's kind of that's kind of taken along Your and aunt. it's it, my aunt, yeah. And it's nice that we're the, I'm very like their side of the family, which is amazing because I'm finally getting that, yeah, that physical thing. thing that I always wanted. But uh, he, he, I was saying to him, I think it's actually a good thing that he lives in Australia because we have a bit of time to get to know yeah, each other a bit. That thing, yeah. yeah, otherwise we'd be on top of each other, you know what I mean? And sitting in coffee shops all day. And it's too much. It's too intense. You need to kind of... What's the word? You need to really play it slowly really play it so like I remember when they were talking about writing the letter the agency advises you on the first letter to write and they're like don't give loads of information about yourself yeah so do you think to a degree you made a mistake by sort of you know moving away from the agency as fast as you did the agency had shut down we'd no option oh really yeah usually uh, they manage it and they arrange yeah, they, the meeting and you know they tell you to arrive at four and her to arrive at half four so you don't bump into each other in the car park but the agency had shut down so we were just let off which in the beginning we thought was great but in hindsight she thinks was a bad idea <laughs> right yeah because usually yeah. they give you counselling and all this. Yeah, all that. Yeah, so you're just left. It's a lot to take in. Yeah, it is. And you're in, you're managing how much time you spend together, whereas actually someone else should be managing that. Yes. It's and I, yeah, because I've I've heard I've heard both the wonderful stories. Yeah. And, and and some tough ones where the boundaries get crossed too quick and things break down, or worse, they get slightly hor hor horrific. Yeah, and I think that's definitely what happened um, with. Us, the, it, it was all just too quick yeah. and it kind of we didn't know where to go with it and I you know probably wasn't giving her as much time as she would have liked right yeah um, but sure my own mother I have her driven mad she doesn't hear from me from one end of the week to the other do you know what I mean yeah, and then sure, you're suddenly yeah. you're trying to manage oh it's super tough loads I don't think of there's any right or wrong in yeah. terms of anybody making mistakes I mean it's very hard to navigate that yeah it is but uh, it but is you, so now do you feel like are are you disappointed with that, or actually you're happy that you found her and you've got enough? I'm happy that I found her, and I would hope that maybe uh, someday in the future we'd get back in touch. Yeah. But that's kind of her Do you feel call. Like you owe her anything? Because it's kind of no. I don't feel like I I don't feel like I owe her anything. I don't feel obligated. Yeah, yeah. I was I was curious because I, I would have thought you're not, but I no. I, I I wonder how you would feel in your own head. But for myself, like, because she's so lovely. Like, I would love to have a relationship with her, but it's just about figuring out the the balance of it yes so that we're both happy with it yeah which is actually really tough you know because I suppose in her mind she's like you're my child and was she looking to find you by the way or is it uh, she can't you're not able to no 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 oh, oh right no but I mean it, it, you talk to her afterwards had she said she would have liked to know or? oh yeah yeah she was she was very happy when I got in touch yeah oh yeah okay, yeah. yeah I got really lucky like the two of them were totally open to it yeah and it's it's not uncommon that one parent or both parents would say, no, look, that part of my life is over. It's done. I don't want to rip open those wounds. Or the agency also said it's quite common for 
mothers to be like, look, my fa- my husband doesn't know and I'm not yes. going to tell him now. Yes. And I would have found that really hard. So I'm actually really lucky that they're both into it. Yeah. Okay, so then you and PJ, in the midst of all this, decide to turn it all into a, a show. Yes. What was it called? Separated at Birth. Oh, Separated at Birth. Yeah, good title. Because when me and PJ met... Um, we just got on really well, and uh, it, it turned out because he was adopted out of Roscommon. His birth parents live yeah. in Roscommon, and um, I was I don't know slagging him or whatever. And I was like, because I I'd never met anyone from Roscommon before, <laughs> and uh, I know I sound like a Southside tail now, but anyway, and um, anyway, when I met my biological mother, she was based in Clare Galway, and I was like, oh my god! And she told me when I went in, first of all, she told me that she'd originally christened me Katrina. And I was like, wow, I can't believe in some parallel universe my name's Katrina. Yeah, and, yeah. And from pretty, Claire Galway. And she was like, <laughs> actually, no, me and your father are both from Roscommon. No. Yeah, and I was like, what? And turns <laughs> out me and PJs were from, like, the towns across from each oh, other. Oh, so there was a load of mad coincidences. Yeah, exactly. So that's where the title came from. Yeah. So yeah. what was the main, like, in, in the show, like, what what were the main sort of things that you guys were covering? He had a lot more content than me. Um, it was that thing of, it's like... It's understandable. He's been doing stand-up also a lot longer. I mean, yeah. it's the easiest thing to come out and... Yeah, he's much, like, he's much better by talking about it. He has amazing stories about his family and all that stuff. And he had, his adoption story was much further on. Like, he's known them 12 years now or something. Yes. Um, And I made it up for, I made up the... Uh, lack of adoption material with just like normal material just about me oh, that I'd taken yeah, from okay. stand-up or whatever and um, so yeah we were talking about like what you what you thought you'd come from finding out you were adopted like I always tell the story that you think that everyone's adopted so when my aunt had her baby I assumed she had to have her own baby because she was from Kildare I thought they just didn't have the facilities down there to adopt kids because it was so normalised for me right oh you knew very young did yeah, you yeah from the like from the moment they got us it was made into like a bedtime story Really? They loved you so much, so much that they gave you to us. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. They loved you so much they gave you away. But it was like they loved you so much that they couldn't give you what you deserved and they gave you to us. And, and that was it a was recommendation all... or that was what they decided? Was... I don't know, actually. But it was all love, love, love. Everyone loves you. You're loved. Yeah. You're so loved. You know? Probably why we grew up a bit deluded. <laughs> <laughs> Turns you, out no one gives a fuck. No one gives a shit. <laughs> actually, my granny said that to my mum. She was like, because mum kept telling me how special I was. My granny apparently came in one day and said, Patricia, you'd want to stop telling that child she's so special. She's going to get out into the real world and realise that she's not. Yeah. Well, Thanks, then, granny. Yeah. So in other words, you'd be a millennial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so in a way, and I mean, I wouldn't change any of it. And when I met my bi- biological mother, what was not what was nice was she had no regrets about it. She was like, I couldn't, I, I think now, could I have done it differently? Could I have kept you? And she's like, I couldn't have. Like, I just couldn't yeah. have. So, so it was for the best. Yeah, completely. And do you ever think, because I mean I, I know a lot of adopted people and I mean sadly you meet a lot of adopted people in the world of addiction you know like I stopped drinking using drugs you do meet a lot of people in that world yeah but, uh, and I was riddled with eating disorders which I think was a lot to do with it as well oh right you had that yeah well, which I is mean, an addiction I, yeah I, I don't have any science behind it but I, I like do you think that perhaps the, the, the eating disorders but also like the desire to perform do you think that's actually more of the drive just that 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 thing that's in adopted people, this this searching nature. Yeah, I, subconscious. Yeah, thing. yeah, I do. Yeah, perhaps and instead of finding out that your mother was an art, you know the way you were looking for. Yeah, that? yeah, 
totally. Like, do you think that is, or I mean, I, I don't I know. I do. I think um, adopted kids, like when me and PJ were doing the show, we wanted to do a show saying, "Look, we're adopted and we're totally grand," um, <laughs> which is not the case either. <laughs> yeah, but like, nobody's totally exactly. Grand. Everyone has their own shit. But um, we started kind of looking up, um, you know, a lot of uh, kind of habits of adopted kids, and it is very much like having to prove you do feel like you have to prove yourself all the time mm. I was always like that always wanted really? to had to prove myself or like had to be the best of things um, was really embarrassed to not be the best of things or there was always kind of which I suppose comes from you're insecure because you're not sure what where you are like mm. uh, but I think the performance thing yeah I do think that's something to do with being adopted, probably. Yeah, no, I just, I was just, I was just wondering. Do you think that maybe that's part of the drive? I mean, I definitely know other performers that are adopted, but then I know loads of performers that aren't. Yeah, so I'm not saying it's the the main drive. No, by performance. but I honestly think up to making the show with PJ, I never would have admitted that adoption had any effect on me at all. I was like, bullshit. I had a lovely life. Really? Yeah, I was like, it has no effect on me. I have a lovely life. I had a lovely upbringing. I've loads of mates like I'm happy out there's not like I am good to go I'm not to see here not to see and then the more when we did the show and we started looking into it I was like oh maybe that's why I so now I'm like I blame adopted yeah. everything no but it's I just think a it's phase. pretty big you know like I, like I would think it's it, it's not it's not uh, putting yourself into the victim zone no to say wow I think a lot of this stuff has driven me yeah and then you realize and it, but what's good is when you when you're doing something and you realize why you're doing it then you can just go all right Grant it's not a big deal anymore but I remember I was doing my leaving cert and um during the geography exam some pyromaniac junior cert students set the school on fire which I was so relieved at because I opened the paper and was like shit yeah so we were all evacuated we we're standing outside waiting for the fire brigades and um. I said to this lab beside me, I was like, who set the school on fire? And he's like, oh, some junior cert student. And then he paused and he's like, he's adopted. And I was like, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, of Mad. course, he set the school on fire. <laughs> there, is, there is this assumption that adopted kids are yeah, a bit weird. Yeah, which is probably, that's also, I mean, I don't assume that. I just assume that, you know, for some, there might be a sense of, I, I guess, abandonment would have been the big one that I would think. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There has to be. Like, we're very complicated creatures. Yes. We absorb all this stuff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's cool. Oh, wow. And yeah, you're very public about talking about eating disorders, too, which I think is great that you're public about it. Oh, it destigmatizes yeah. it. Now, how did it go when you tried to do a show about it? Uh, it went really well. I was oh, you, delighted. So you did the show? Yeah, I did the show. What was that called? Friend. What was your great title for that? Bite Me. <laughs> So I was, um, that's, that was actually what gave me the opportunity to go into stand up as well, because I when single, just when sing when I went into singlehood, I'd had to leave work. I was in treatment. So I had oh, no, really? yeah, I had nothing to do as such. I was on a career break. Um, no, I was in treatment as an outpatient, so I was full time, but I went home in the evenings. Um, so I, I was looking for, I knew shit had to change like do you know what I mean oh you were bottoming out big time yeah I bottomed out so mm. I was like circling around down there going what am I going to do now and uh, that's why it, uh, going into performing and everything was a total game changer because I really if I if I'd be, had to go back into the life I was living before I got into performing I don't think I would have had the same impetus to recover the way I did right okay so you, yeah you feel like it was great to have Something to live for, like something to strive for, I should say. Exactly, something to recover for, like because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just think I wasn't really coping with what was going on, so it was a way of like just like checking myself out of life. And if I hadn't been sick, I wouldn't have had the opportunity. Like I wouldn't have left a full time job to start performing, but because I wasn't working anyway, I was able to go. Oh yeah, okay, I'll give this a shot then. Yeah, well, I mean, it was the same for me when I stopped drinking and doing drugs. Ninety five, I was in college, so I went back to college, but. 
I was able to be full time into this other thing. Yeah, 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 know? yeah. The, like getting better. Yeah. But I, I stand. Do you up drink at all? No, 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 no. I'm drinking 21 years. But uh, the, I guess stand up or like or getting into performance is similar in the sense that your days are free. You've got the freedom to go. I'm gonna explore some spirituality. You know, you get the yeah. freedom to look into other shit. Yeah. Expand your life. I know, but I still feel like when I'm doing when I'm not doing stuff during the day, I still feel like I'm skiving or something. And then I have to remind myself, go, no, I'm working tonight, and I was working last yeah. night. I feel like it's a wa- it's wasted time. Like I should be, well, especially when you work for yourself when you start. But that's the addictive mind, though. You know that, yeah. right? Like the, the sense of you can't just be still and be doing nothing. No, and I really struggle with that. I really struggle with that. Because I would have thought for all the positives of getting into performance right when you recover, yeah. the negative is that, you know, performance is high energy. It's, it's, it, it, it suits the person who's very needy or needs approval. And that, you know, the lows can be almost more difficult to deal with yeah. when, you're, when, you're, when you've been sick and you're trying to be better. Yeah, but I've been really, really lucky. Like, yeah. like I've had a couple of deaths. Like I haven't had, I haven't had real lows deaths. yet. Just in case any Americans are listening, deaths. you're saying deaths, right? Yeah, not death. I'm not. I don't know yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, um, just so they know that the THs aren't always totally. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a couple of deaths. I don't even know how to say that. Um, but I haven't. I haven't had any, and I'm. I'm. I'm better now, so I'd be able to deal with those. Um, punches when they do come because they're yeah. obviously in the post they're in the yeah. post like stuff will I'll do pilots that are hideous like all that shit's ahead yeah. of me and I can't yeah. wait yeah yeah it'll be well, great that's, that's still great. part of it well it's great to be older too you know I remember years yeah. ago I hate I, I was early days of my recovery from booze and and I, I moved to Dublin so I was like whatever like three years clean and so I had to get like a new sponsor and the oh, guy yeah. sat me down and I was telling him my problems. And he was like, to be honest, like, that's just because you're young. You'll grow out of that. Yeah. And I got really angry. I was like, what an asshole. You know, I wanted like the, you know, that you, if you do this and you meditate, you know, like I wanted him to give me like, he's like, you're just young. And at the time I got so angry and now I realized like, fuck, he was so right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that yeah. shit didn't matter. You yeah. Know, you just grow out of that. Yeah. So I do think it's not easier when you're older, but I think if you, like you're saying, like you got your life back, you're just a bit wiser. I mean, there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I mean, just because you're sick doesn't mean you haven't learned shit in life. Exactly. The wisdom is handy. Although I do feel like there was, I, I like that you kind of, you're you're on some sort of sabbatical. Like I, I wasn't doing the things that my mates were doing 
you, you at the mean time when you were acting out when I was sick it, yeah. because I was just too busy off being mental yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean, I mean it is um, so I am kind of playing catch up now uh, with certain things and I do feel like sometimes I can be really immature like they're all not all of them but a lot of my friends now are like married and they're having kids and yeah but then you don't really know what's going on for them either you know no and it's it's not like I mean it's the thing of like I've not there's nothing in me like I'm like is my ovary sociopathic like there's nothing in me that's craving any of that stuff yet and I was like maybe that's because I was kind of off the grid for a couple of years I don't know maybe it'll yeah, kick in knows? it comes and goes though too you know it's, yeah yeah, or maybe it's just my personality. I don't know. Yeah, but don't forget, you've had a major life change, so you're probably pretty fulfilled. That's the thing. It's br- it, it, that, I think that's not just to say they're not fulfilled. Of course they are. No, but no, no, no. I, I what I'm suggesting is that's perhaps why you don't have the urge. This yeah, thing that, I'm not suggesting they're not fulfilled. At yeah, all. it's great having something to put so much that needs so much work because this career yeah. needs so much time and work and energy. Yeah, so it's brilliant. It's like, it's like a boyfriend or a husband. It is a the really difficult game. one. Or, or the, the performance game, the yeah. creativity game. Yeah. I love it though. But like I ha- I'm trying to learn, like I'm only doing it two, two years, three years. Two, yeah, three years. years, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and I still don't have a clue what I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Essentially. Yeah. Which is also part of the crack, I think. But in both areas now that you've tackled quite considerably, adoption and eating disorders, eating disorders both are pretty important to talk about in the sense that I would imagine loads of adopted kids came to that show and got some solace from it yeah. and also particularly with young women they might go and you go oh god that's me I really yeah. need to do something about this yeah. or I need to say that to my friend who's struggling <laughs> you know I would imagine there must have been a lot of that yeah there was there was which is hard actually you're getting emails off people and you're like I really don't know how to advise you I was doing an interview once in a journalist I think she was being snide I don't know what her deal was passive aggressive yeah and she, cause, get that because singlehood was obviously about my love life separated at birth was about adoption and bite me is about eating they're all my own stories that's why I had to start taking acting classes because I've no idea how to act anything that's not myself like I've never sure, sure. played any no, other I'm roles I'm shit at acting who cares you don't need it do you know nope Anyway, go on. Stay, fo- stay on. Stay no, no, no. I just. I'm um, sorry, I don't. That sounded like I was giving focused. out. Stay <laughs> focused. Sounded um, like I was giving out. I just didn't want to get sidetracked. Yeah. I was curious to what you were saying. Um. So. The journalist. Oh yeah, and she was like, you know, you've played your love life and your adoption and your eating disorder. She goes, there's nothing sacred with you now. And I was like, oh, yeah. No, actually. I said, why would it be? Like comedy is tragedy plus time. My time's about thirty seconds. I don't see why my eating disorder should get special well, you treatment. You don't even have to say comedy. You can say art, like. But I mean, I I think well personally, I've always I've I've put it out there too. But this fact of of is there anything sacred? I mean that that gives the suggestion that you're 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 losing something. Yeah. By talking about it now, look, you know, I think there are certain areas that maybe there is something negative about being really honest, but I I I don't think it's I don't I don't think it's clear what that is. Yeah. I think it's up to the individual. I don't think it's up to other people to judge. Well, I none of neither none of the shows were ever for a second asking for or looking for pity or anything. Yeah. So I think there is something there was no, I think whatever inspires you. you yeah. Know? And I and wrote a lot when I was sick and I wanted to do something who with said it. said that by the way. I can't even remember. I, I genuinely can't even remember. Oh, no, I was just curious cuz I got that, you know, you get that sometimes, you know, people say you think you're giving away too much. And, you know, maybe once or twice you will, but that's trial and error of life. I yeah. mean, I think it's better, particularly with being creative, I think it's better to be more inclined to take the risk than not. Yeah, I think know? so too. Yeah. Yeah, and then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I remember... No, Gar- I mean... Sorry, go ahead. Garoud Farley gave me a really good piece of advice once because I suppose I I started 
gigging a lot very fast like with the with the concussion tour and then I had a set that worked and then I got really I got too scared to move right outside of the set and it was getting kind of stale because I was I've, I've no attention span so I was losing interest in telling the stuff uh, which is something I need to work on but Gerald Farley was like you're better off dying on your ass telling a new joke than storming a room on an uh, old set yeah, well listen there's 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 loads to that I thought that was it's great not, yeah, it's good advice it's yeah. good advice but there's also like uh, th- that's just one area where you're early enough in the game and you will find what works for you in that regard everybody goes through that time where they go you know, I'm doing this too long, you know, and then some people are the opposite. They don't they don't stay with stuff long enough. So it never develops into the best. You'll you'll figure that yeah. out for yourself. That, that, that's that's less important than sort of, you know, finding your voice, you know, and finding out what you really want to talk about. That's the thing that really matters. You I say think. it takes 10 years to find your voice. Yeah, who the fuck? Like, figure <laughs> that out. This is fucking bullshit. You know? Yeah, I don't know. Like they would have said the in comedy advance, union. it takes ten years to be able to talk about your fucking eating disorder on stage. That's true. You did yeah. it too, so like that's bullshit. Yeah. No, but I, I, I do think one area that can be dangerous, but I, I, maybe you feel this a little bit is if you talk about something too soon, say like if you turn your eating disorder stuff into a show too soon, that perhaps you um you 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 stunt your understanding of it or perhaps you, you can you can then feel like embarrassed a couple of years later when you look back and you go fuck I, I actually didn't know what I was talking about yeah there's def- and that definitely would probably be like I probably wouldn't have been so vocal in singlehood about that guy now, now right. because it's a bit mean to be honest yeah do you know what I mean yeah. and um, I yeah I probably wouldn't have been as detailed in the story that I told but it got me into stand up <laughs> yeah I, listen Full everybody bastard. I mean I, I have loads of them like over nearly 20 years now god I'm getting old but over nearly 20 years there are definitely some stories I wouldn't have told yeah and, you know things I wouldn't have said on the TV whatever that's just the nature of it yeah but that is like th- there's definitely pros and cons to our job yeah 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 what do you think the pros are pussy I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. That's your answer for everything. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's your answer for everything. <laughs> Des Pussy Bishop. <laughs> we, uh, That's what they call you. No, many they don't. No, it's fine. Listen, they can think what they, <laughs> they, 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 can think what they like. But uh, no, I, well, that's one. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But, you know, in a more in a more caring way. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not grabbing them by the yeah, yeah, yeah. said word. It's all consensual, basically, is what you're saying. No, the pros are, it's a fucking great life. It's really exciting. Performing is great. It's like a drug, you know? You, you get to travel. You get to travel. You get to meet loads of, well, you get to meet a lot of people. They're not all interesting, but <laughs> yeah. they're all fucking mental. Uh, yeah, no, no. The negatives are obviously there's a lot of highs and lows. It's pretty tiring. You have to take on, you have to take on the uh, emotions and toxicity uh, of a lot of people that really shouldn't be come across your way but you're very open you know there's a yeah. vulnerability to just being present and out there all the time so there's a lot of negatives to that but you get better at dealing with that yeah but there's definitely always going to be low moments where you're sitting in your room and you're upset and you know i've, I've talked about that in the podcast before about when people just kind of get in your space and they they hit you with their shit related to what you're saying and you take it on yeah that's but that's just and honestly that's i think office politics has the same thing yeah so you'll never really be free of that you know yeah 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 that's true and as well, as well i guess because of the, the themes of the stuff that i've done so far um it is kind of confessional i guess yeah yeah why listen you are wide open i mean i think 
probably in the defense of that journalist, that's kind of what they mean. Like, you know, do, do you ever do you ever feel like you're leaving yourself too open or too exposed? Yeah. No, like, I never feel like that. Yeah. Well, I that, feel that's kind of good. A, yeah, I just don't. Like, and sometimes you're honestly, I think sometimes you're better off to talk about it when you're raw. You know, like I, I, I was critical of Russell Brand when he first got clean and he did a show about this was before he was well famous, but um you know, he just immediately turned it into a show and I thought, I don't know if that's a great idea. Yeah. Uh but in the end it was it was fine for him and and people got a lot out of it. So I I think maybe in a, sometimes actually I think you're better when you're raw because it's so fucking current and it's yeah. so present in the feeling and you understand it. So maybe that is a good time. I don't I don't think there's any perfect formula for it anyway so it doesn't matter but you know maybe there's a benefit in doing it when you're raw that actually you wouldn't it wouldn't be as interesting later because you'd know more and you'd probably second guess yourself and and you, you don't know. you can't remember a lot of it like i yeah. had to go off the stuff that i'd written because i was out of my mind on meds and all as well it's all very hazy but i do know that when i was sick and i was back in my mum's house and all that and um, I was looking online for like inspiration to get better, and everyone was like, "Because to me, recovery just meant getting fat. Like there was no pros to recovery. Real in that was mind. that was all it meant. And fat was failure. So what you're asking me to do is fail. What you're what you're asking me to do is fail. Like, so I was looking online for these like inspirational videos to help me get better, and it was just all. And I'm not slagging them or anything, whatever works for them, but it was just all these really sad videos of people just being really sad about their eating disorders. And even when I was in the thick of it, I still thought bits of it were funny because there are funny bits to madness. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. And that's that's actually what... Well, it was Una's idea to to write the show, but that was what why I did it because I was like, I'd like to make something funny. Now, I think in hindsight, I think there is loads of funny stuff out there about eating disorders. It was wherever I was looking for it. I never found them. But um, I wanted to do that because I was like, something different, you know, that way. Yeah. And I was like, I want to say, so, I so want you, someone so, to so be able to come. Not find the funny in it? Oh, no, I did. Yeah, so yeah, I wrote yeah. a comedy show about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it's like anything. And as well, like, because I was um, mostly, well, I was bulimic, anorexic, but like people talk, I always say anorexia gets all the media attention because it's like sanitized and it's, just like puke. refusing food exactly there's no it seems really controlled whereas bulimia to me was a loss of control if you know the kind of way yeah, it was just like binging and purging and trips rah. to spar at three in the morning all that yeah shit. yeah like robbing credit cards and like it was a pro it's a proper addiction yeah, it's you know a proper addiction yeah 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 i mean i i would have liked to have seen the show i won't i won't make you start going through all the stories but i would have loved to have seen it because i i also like including like hearing heroin addict stories and booze stories and identifying I, I love the stories about the, yeah. the madness and I haven't I've literally never heard other than like a flippant like anorexia joke I've actually never heard good material about eating disorders yeah um, well it's going back to the project in April maybe I think. oh really maybe yeah oh cool yeah, yeah so I'll definitely be interested in that because I think yeah I, I, I would just lo I, I'd love to learn about it in that way yeah it was very there were parts like what we were saying am I giving too much I remember there were parts of it that I had not written about and then when I was talking to Una I just mentioned them in passing and she was like I think they should go on the show and I was like oh, that just seems a bit gross to be honest she goes no because it gives an understanding of how yeah. dark it was but I remember the first night I won't say it here but the first night I was saying it on stage and I just felt Why the audience you say it? because I'll save it Okay, you'll save it. Save yeah. it for the show. Um, but it kind of has to be all said in context sure, of what's sure, going sure, of on. Course. Yeah, that's fine. And um, so, but I just felt the audience just like shift in their seats, and a couple of them were like, "Oh," and I was like, "That was the first time I was." It was opening night, and I was like, "What am I doing?" 
<laughs> like, what am I? Why am I talking? Why am I telling this? these people this, these things? Yeah. And I spoke to Una about it after, and I was like, I think I, I, I think I should drop that bit. And she's like, I knew it, because you, you said it real fast. And she's like, you're keeping it. And I was like, okay. And I'm glad now I did. I'm glad I kept it because it's all part of the disease. But um, yeah, there are times when you're like, what am I doing? So what's like, I, you don't have to do any material, but like. In every in every subject matter, there's like the easiest kind of go-to spot, you know, the hack spot of eating disorder material, the one that everybody gets, and everybody, every everybody, anybody who struggled with the disease understands. Like, what is it? The one thing everybody thinks straight away. How do you mean? Ask me again. Uh, okay, let me try to. I'm trying to think of a better example. Just like, what's hack about eating disorders? Like the the easiest thing to joke about. Oh, um. I don't know. Cause it sounds like a negative, but I don't mean it as a negative. I, I know, mean it as a the, positive. I think there was none like, of that. Okay, I'll give an example. When you're learning Chinese, mm. right, the, 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 the easiest place to go at the start is mispronunciation and, uh, you know, like Chinese people and the way they spit. You know, there's just some easy things that everybody kind of finds straight yeah. away. So if you had 100 comedians in a room who all had eating disorders, what do you think is the one thing they would all think of immediately as like a funny place to be? I know that me and Fred were Fred Cook were over in London at the weekend, and he was. Uh, we were talking about this, and he was like, "What are the eating disorder gags, and are they funny?" And I like, I'm not even like, I'm, I, I'm not pretending now, but I genuinely don't know what they are. Like mine. Were, no, but I, I just mean the the area. You don't have to give me the gag. Like, what what was the first thing that you so thought just might be funny? I I always wrote about the bit. I was on a diet. Like, I mean, obviously, I was having this very serious mental breakdown. Yeah, yeah. But to yeah. me, I was like, I was on a diet, and I was I I was on a mission to revert to my birth weight of seven pounds and three ounces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I talked about sh- sh- I got arrested for shoplifting. So all that stuff and the the guard when 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 I went to the police station, um, he after was like, "Am I going to see you again?" And I thought he was like hitting on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like in the show because I was in bit at this stage I'd completely lost it and I was yeah. back in my mum's I was wearing a tracksuit and a parker and I had tubs of Ben and Jerry stuffed in the pockets and he was like am I going to see you again and I was like I know I'm in the best shape of my life but surely this is unprofessional but obviously he was making sure he's like I don't want to see you in this station again Joanne get out um, so it's more so telling the st- telling what happened to me and trying yeah, no, in a funny I know, way because yeah. Yeah. I would have thought, thought there was humour in this sort of the odd ways that you would delude yourself that people didn't notice or... Yeah, I'm on the paleo. That was always a big thing. <laughs> oh, had, a big, had a big breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid shit. Yeah, I know. I'm dying, I, I'm dying to see that. I mean, immediately when you know, let me know. So I'll put it out in the podcast because I'm sure people will be curious too. You know? And I'm going to bring it to Edinburgh next year, I think. Oh, I was definitely going to suggest that. That's, yeah. that's made for Edinburgh. The, the critics will love that, you know? Yeah. Tears, love tears and laughter. They love an old theme, man. Yeah. Didn't you do one about dyslexia? So no, was, Aiden did that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. Aiden did dyslexia. I did, uh, in terms of those theme type shows, the, the biggest one I did was one about my dad. You know, oh, yeah. Sick. Did you do that in, in Edinburgh? Yeah. 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 This was my first year at Edinburgh ever. Oh, you were there? Yeah, I was in the So You Think You're Funny. Oh, that's right. I knew that, actually. Um, yeah. But I went over and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's like all these people, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows, you know, all just taking a punt on themselves, coming mm. up, spending a fortune trying to survive up in Edinburgh. I was like, Joanne, you lazy bitch. No, 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 no. Listen, first of all, you're way ahead of the game. So you do not need to think that you're being a lazy bitch. Secondly, most people would never in a million years go there immediately with a one-hour solo show about a fucking difficult subject like that. But that's fine. You're you're accelerating at a rapid pace, so that's not a problem. But uh, it's best if you actually had spent a bit more time there maybe and like yeah. figured out the game a bit because there's a game to it. 
But I would think with a show like that, ready to rock, that it's ideal. It's an ideal scenario to bring it there. But I yeah. would suggest doing it as much as possible before you go. And also because it's such a strong theme, I would suggest splashing the cash a bit and like, you know, giving yourself every chance to get noticed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because it could be the opportunity to have a very strong start. But that's real, like, that's real business side of shit. We don't, we don't need to get in that. But I, but we will when we when we stop doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 that's the way to play that. I I I think you know. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sure there's plenty of comedians listening to that. I'm sure they'll think that that's uh, that that's sound advice. Well, I mean, listen. Let me see how long we've been chatting. I didn't actually know you had an eating disorder. That's like a fucking. That's, not. that's like an in, that's like an interviewer's dream right there. It's like fucking <laughs> adoption and eating disorder. Boom! Fucking come on, <laughs> misery and comedy, man. That's what I should have called this fucking podcast. What like, did you call funny, it? Funny, the Desperate Podcast. What happened was I needed to start because I actually got money from Vodafone at the start to to do uh, to interview Americans that were coming over because I was in New York. Okay. But then actually, they didn't put their name to it because. The subject matter was just pretty raunchy, particularly from Lisa Traeger. So they had I sent them the Lisa Traeger one, and they were like, "We'll totally support you, but we're not gonna like <laughs> anonymously." Well, yeah, yeah. Basically, they didn't put it out in there, which 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 I completely understand. Yeah, because you know Lisa was talking some dirty shit, and and I would appreciate that it wasn't Vodafone's responsibility to field calls from customers who found the podcast through their website and were like, "I just didn't need to hear about." that yeah so that was fine but anyway because i started i had to start quicker than i would have originally anticipated even though i had procrastinated doing a podcast for years uh i just needed a name so i called it the des bishop podcast yeah uh, i intended to change it but then i just never did and now that's what it is but i guess it is like it's very much like what's the point in coming up with some well, fancy in, pants in name? Ireland, there's no point yeah because people know me but in the rest of the world i guess it would have been better because possibly it would have been better to give people an in inclination of what it is and yeah all that type of stuff but uh, listen it's fine. First of all, I am insanely busy now, so I, I, I lately I haven't been able to put as much time into it as I had been. So actually, calling it the Des Bishop Podcast and having uh, a once a week uh, chat without any great stress to have a theme uh, suits me. Yeah, you'd be like Tony Robbins. Do you ever listen to Tony Robbins podcast? Uh, I don't listen to Tony Robbins podcast. I have been to a Tony Robbins seminar many have years it? ago. Many years ago, yeah. I was. I, I somebody brought me. What was it like? I, well, it was very inspiring at the time, but. After the fact, I actually think he's a total charlatan. But I think that people get something out of it. But I think he's just, you know, I, I, I don't 100% believe in the guy. Really? But if you're getting something out of him, I'm not going to stop you. Everything he says, I'm like, wow. Everything he says. Well, all the stuff that's filmed and put online, I'm sure he comes out with loads of nuisance yeah, well, shit. Well, he's good. He's good motivation guy. Yeah, he you is. Know? It's NLP, neurolinguistic yeah. programming, and like I totally think it works. I, I, I don't think there's anything that negative about him really, except that all his goals tend to be money, financial. Yeah, but he's definitely kind of coming out of that. It was all business, 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 but now it's like life, 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 and right. Okay. Did you see his um, documentary on Netflix? No, no, I'm not a big Tony Robbins guy. I could tell you're in the middle of your Tony <laughs> Robbins. You're in the middle of your Tony Robbins phase. I am, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Tony Robbins for me is more like a like a like a meme or a theme that I would use to describe a certain type of behavior or way yeah. of, way of being. Totally, but, it is that. Like I always, I'm always slagging Tinder because you know, um, 
the Tinder used to be like you'd put your bio up and like your ha- your ha- hobbies and stuff. Yeah. You know, I like reading or whatever. And now it's all like these inspirational life oh, quotes. Oh, all that. Yeah, and Instagram has become like that too. Yeah, like, and it's lads going like Carpe Diem, seize the day, and then it has occupation Nandas, and I'm like, you're flipping chickens. Like that's whose bucket list is that on? <laughs> do you know what I mean? But like there is, it's all everyone's telling each other how to live these days, which is annoying. But Tony's credible. He can do it. And I he's know, massive. listen, he's motivational. Jimmy Carr's a big fan. You know, he knows him. Is he? Jimmy Carr knows him, yeah. Mm. So, no, I, I listen, I went, when I went, to, I went to that workshop thing, I was brought, uh, and I, you know, I was into it. I got inspired. I actually, uh, you know, I started gigging more internationally. That was like, you come up with lists of goals, you know? Yeah. So I started gigging more internationally after it. You know, that was one of the goals I gave myself. And uh, actually, I got engaged after it too, because there was loads of things going on at that time. But uh, What? Long story. So uh, we broke up in 2008. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, I got a lot out of it at the time, but it didn't. It didn't last. And I and and my belief in sort of, you know, I I, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be a promoter of what he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, but I, but I but I don't dispute that there's positives out of, you know, going yeah you know, going and listening to him. Yeah. But I also think that there's a lot of manipulation, exploitation, and yeah. You know, well, I'm very suggestible. Like I always have been. Like if someone says, but I like, can't see any great negatives to him because he's not really trying to create a cult. And in fairness, his things are a little bit expensive, but it's not like Scientology where suddenly like your finances are gone. I mean, it's literally like you get into golf or you get into skiing and you unload a lot of cash into your hobby. Like yeah, exactly. In fairness to Tony Robbins, he's not trying to suck a ridiculous amount of cash out of you. And his podcast is free. No? Yeah, but the, re- the reason I was saying about Tony was that he's so busy. So Tony's like, oh, like, welcome to my podcast. So excited to be here. I don't have time to do this. So here's Michelle. And he just passed it over. No. Someone else does his podcast. Get out. Yeah, he just does the intro. Is that what, that's what you'll be doing. I'll do it for you, oh, don't worry. Oh, no, no, no. I like I'm like, here, it's Joanne on the Des Bishop podcast. I like the chats. Yeah, the chats are cool. It's yeah. actually no. I I would like to do it with somebody else, and and this is no reflection on you. I very much enjoy chatting to you, but if I was gonna have somebody else, I would do it with Deirdre Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. Uh, I mean, we know each other a long time, and I I would I I would do, I would love to do it with her. You know that, but the Desi D podcast, you could call it. Yeah, well, yeah, the two D, double D, double D, double D. You yeah. can't call it double D. <laughs> oh, because that's like a bra size, is it? Double D. Yeah, oh, we're thinking of two different things. Well, what are you, you thinking of? Nothing. Dick shit. <laughs> I'm not thinking. I, don't, I mean, whatever. You went bra. That's so PG. What, what, what is double D? Like like a large dick? No, it doesn't matter. Go on. Okay, sorry. I just I like to know my references. You know, I don't like being. Left You'll out. never need to know what it is. So I, don't I, worry I, about I, it. I I, I I I hate being left out in the cold. Yeah. So I guess the last thing I'll ask you about. I mean, I don't, I don't need to ask you anything else. But here we are. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about? Uh, do Do you feel any other obligations in terms of material to talk about, like, you know, feminism, equality? Repeal the eighth. I mean, I, I I like talking about repeal the eighth, but I I'm just curious. I love talking about um abortions. I used to, but I I'm trying to figure out how to make it work because I would make jokes, do abortion jokes. I have the material. I need to just figure out how to sell it, like we were saying earlier. It's, it's like, always weird when you say, like, I like talking about abortions. You know, I love talking about abortions. No, but it's healthy in the sense that there's a lot of shame around that in Ireland. And I had this bit about, like, how abortions are not an impulse bought. Like, as if 
suddenly if we have abortion clinics in Ireland, we're just going to be like popping in. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like, I wasn't planning on having an abortion, <laughs> but you're now that I'm here in town. <laughs> Do you know that way? That's handy. Yeah. I'm not even yeah. pregnant, but you're all pop in. Yeah. It's like, they're not a set of I'll skis. Get, get a gift certificate to your friend. Yeah. Like, hey, just in case. Yeah. A good abortion gift certificate. Come on and repeal your child there. Like, yeah. that's not going to happen. So I was doing bits like that. Or, you know, my friends had so many abortions. She got her last one for free. Her loyalty card was full. And they just... Yeah. Don't, they just don't like it. <laughs> Although I was gigging in London at the weekend and I did abortion stuff over there and it was expats and um, they really went for it. So oh, I don't they know. They went for it, yeah. yeah. Oh, t- I mean, I honestly, that is the one area that, like, as I was brought up, I think I've talked about this in podcasts before, but my mom was very Catholic, but she was very pro-choice and uh, she, I just never, like, uh, abortion just wasn't a problem to me. But like, in a, in a way that I think maybe a lot of Irish people don't understand because, there has been a lot of shame around it here. Yeah. I, I just always thought that it's a woman's right. It didn't enter my brain. Yeah. And I, I don't think I'm I'm more liberal or, or more evolved than somebody who doesn't think that. It's just literally the way I was raised. Uh, but in, in, in comedy, like I got really into Bill Hicks in my early years. Uh-huh. And I wanted to be, I used to pray to Bill Hicks before getting on stage. Uh, like literally be like, Bill, give me the strength to be true to who I am. Uh, and, uh, so obviously then I was I wanted to talk about abortion because he talked about abortion and that was like that was the final frontier in Ireland you know yeah and I, I never figured it out really and I found people got really tight so in this current time where it's important to talk about it and it's important to try to normalize it and take it away from take it away from this red line issue that it is in people's heads I still find it quite difficult like I still find that to be a taboo in Ireland that's hard to break it is uh, yeah it is I, and it was it was really interesting actually noticing the difference between the Irish in London and the Irish here in response to the abortion stuff here it's not that they don't go for it but they're just a li- there's all this kind of like do you know they like get tight aren't yeah they? they get tight that's I, a really good way of describing it actually whereas in London they just don't at all it was just like whatever yeah and it's an interesting time you know but, I mean I'm surprised I talked to a lot of young people uh, like younger women definitely sort of largely unquestionably are just pro-choice it's not like a big thing for them yeah uh which is a, which it's definitely a noticeable difference i mean i haven't done a survey or anything but it's just something that i notice. and even on twitter you notice a lot of people are very publicly sort of pro-choice uh which is nice that they feel comfortable doing that yeah but you know i just it's just so divisive here it's it's so difficult but whatever about the like say a girl like me like getting pregnant and then deciding to go to the uk and have an abortion that's one thing right which I should be totally entitled to do in my own country. But anyway, yes, it's but more y- so yeah. women, like, so say if I got diagnosed, if I'm, if I'm pregnant and I get diagnosed with cancer, they won't, they won't treat me because I'm pregnant because the baby comes first. So yes. I, as a sick woman, have to go over, they won't either, they won't give me an abortion either. So I have to go over to the UK to have an abortion. It, stuff like that. That's Crazy. actually the more important stuff. Is that the case here? Yeah, that's what happens. Because it's funny because I, I was... Uh, baby comes first. When I was being fetus. born... There was some trouble. And my dad always tells a story that he had to sign the paper that said, you saved the mother. You know, because that, that's the way it is there. Oh, the mother comes yeah, first. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But, I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want anyone to start writing in now and being like, oh, you were completely wrong there or whatever. But, uh, so I'm not connecting it to the two things. But yeah. it's just funny that. Your dad was going to shaft you. That is the case. Well, no, it's fine. <laughs> we, we, we survived. It was you a good all survived, call. yeah. It was a good call, you know, save the life of the mother. Yeah. Um, that's the way it's, that's the way that's yeah, the way you know you what I mean you gotta save the people that are already here and as well exactly and the thing about it is is that 
anyone who thinks that having to go to the UK, you're not going to decide to raise the child to save yourself the flight to Manchester. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to be like, oh, fuck it, sure. I know, listen, it's a great hypocrisy. We're, oh. we're talking about it on the, on the new show in a couple of episodes and... You know, I'm dreading it to a degree, which I shouldn't be dreading it. I mean, I, and I'm not doing it for cheap laughs. I'm doing it to try to normalize the discussion and take it out of this. Like, cause I don't even have a problem with people completely disagreeing with me. Mm. What I have a problem with is the, the emotions and the way that they raise so quickly, you know, and the fact that we can't have... That was Deirdre's thing. It was like, why can't we have a mature discussion? Why does it have to become this, like, place of intense emotion? I know. And I also have a big problem with the fact that, you know, the law only works for people who have one point of view, even though it's a point of view that is clearly not black and white. Yeah. You know? There's, it, Give me an example. What do you mean? Okay. There's somebody out there that thinks abortion is murder. Yes. There's somebody out there that thinks it is not. Yeah. I am one of the people that thinks it is not. There's huge portions of the world that think it is not murder. Yeah. So it is not black and white. Yeah. You know, you can't say this is clearly murder because if it was clearly, like, people don't debate murder. Yeah, you know, I know. Murder's not like a debate thing. Or maybe manslaughter versus murder. It's not like a big debate thing, mm. right? But when it comes to abortion, some people think it's murder, some people think it's so. So it's clearly very good people, upstanding citizens, loving people think it's not murder, yeah. right? But in Ireland, those people who are just good people, they're not bad people, have, have to live under the law, which is essentially a religious law. Yeah. So that to me is problematic. Mm. So, of course, I'm going to fight to change it. And it's I'm not fighting to say that you don't have a right to think it's murder or you don't have a right to have major moral, uh, you know, like like a, a moral problem with abortion. That is absolutely fine. But I don't like the fact that your morals are more important than somebody else's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't like the fact that your morals are more protected by the law than somebody else's. And you're not even the one who's pregnant. Like, yeah, it's not your you. fucking business. Nothing to do with you. And th that, that is my biggest problem. That's my position. And I, that's the position I will be putting out. But I also don't like the fact that because these debates get very dirty, that then there is always this stink of shame out there that mm. suggests if you do it or even if you want to do it, that you're bad and you're doing something wrong. And listen, if anybody looks at the history of Ireland, the darkness from the famine until the time where the church lost its power in society, the shame and the sense of, you know, a strict moral code, and if you didn't follow that, you were a bad person, that has been negative for Irish society. Yeah, I know. It's not controversial, uh, you know? So, you know, I, I feel that abortion is a way for them to hang on to that to a degree, and I think, unfortunately, as is most often the case, women bear... Uh, the greater hit yeah <laughs> from that shame I'm know? and I, I honestly think if abortion was a male issue there'd be abortion clinics dotted around the country like Paddy Powers they'd be everywhere well that that to me would be the go-to spot for abortion humor yeah <laughs> you know in, in in answer to the question that I was asking you earlier about what's the go-to it'd be something honorable to do do you know what I mean I think that's the go-to spot for comedy about abortion that if it was a male thing that you could get one in Tesco yeah yeah okay I'm gonna do that in my set that's mine well you can do yoink you can do well, I've actually I've heard people say that, but have I, you? I, yeah, but not like on stage, just like oh yeah, my mates. Grand, you know? yeah, yeah. No, I'll take that. Yeah. So, so oh, was that yours now? And it? that's well, I just said it there. <laughs> it's documented. It's, it's in the fine. machine. Well, no, I mean, listen, maybe I'll say it to the guys on the This Is Ireland show that maybe he'd be good to do a uh, a piece about it. I but yeah, that. but of course, people will say you're being controversial. But I, I you know, I don't, I think it's crazy. But I do think if there was a referendum on it now, it wouldn't. Pass. I think, I think it, I st it I still needs think it wouldn't more pass. time. Yeah. I, think, I think if there's a referendum on, you know, rape and fatal fetal abnormalities, it would pass. 
Yeah. Like, but this concept of abortion on demand, I have a big problem with that. It's like, what's next, you know? What's next? Yeah. You know, it's like, w what's next is the way it happens all over the world. It's not a big deal. Robotic like, babies, what's yeah, next? It's, like it's not a big deal. You know? I know. I mean, in my opinion, it's not a big deal. I, I know there's people out there that think it's a big deal, but I, I don't think it's a big deal. People get on with their lives. I mean, I get it. People don't agree with me. Like, I, by, by the way, like, I completely understand that you don't agree with me. What my problem will be if, if you get really upset now because yeah. we have completely different beliefs. Because I'm not going to get upset at you for thinking that abortion is murder, you know? I'm not going to get it so, as upset at somebody else because they think that, you know? Yeah, you're talking to me like I think abortion is murder. Well, no, but... You're talking also, to the royal you and your mic fam. Yeah, no, yeah. I, yeah, I, I, yeah I, when I say you, I mean they. Yeah. Those that are listening. But I, in that case, I was really speaking to the people that are probably getting a little frustrated right now. Yeah. But that's that and that. Yeah. So thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I mean, I, I, I guess in the end... I was sort of using you as a soundboard. Do <laughs> you feel used? Do you even know who I am? <laughs> What's your name again? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, I just what are we at? Oh, we're, we're, we're more than we need. But okay. I, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for being so honest. Thanks, Daz. Um, I mean, it's, it's nothing sacred. Nothing sacred with me now. Oh, great. Well, anyway, enjoy. Have you anything to plug before we get off the. Um, well, I do my. Um, when's this going out? Uh, in, in about two hours. Oh, is it? Yeah, because I normally put them out on Monday, but I'm just late starting, and you fucking let me down last week. So I did, yeah. I had a drink. Get Damon <laughs> Clark. So I had to cancel it last week, guys, because uh, Joanne got drunk in the afternoon. <laughs> but in her defense, she was at a function. Yeah, I was at it. It wasn't like you decided to get drunk. It was I'm like, I can't do the podcast. Sitting on I'm my own. Yeah. Uh, I was at a baby shower. Turns out babies love getting locked. We had a great old shower yeah, for the baby. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, but I'm do I do my um, Agony Ann section on the Chris and Kira show on 2FM every Monday night at nine which I'm on my way out to now oh, and then great. I do Mac the Week on the Old McDermott show um, every Friday and great. I'm gigging around What's the place What's your Twitter though and all that? Joe McNally on Twitter Joanne McNally's on Instagram and Joanne underscore McNally on Snapchat I've kind of abandoned Snapchat I must get back on it I'm oh, lazy yeah. I'm like ugh What's your Snapchat? Joanne underscore McNally Joanne underscore McNally I love, okay, the, well, I love the gram I love the gram now fond of the gram Instagram person? Yeah. Keeps yeah, me I was busy. late to that because I was in China when it started to get popular, so it's banned there. So I didn't get into it until I got back. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Daz. And uh, have a nice evening. You too. So thanks very much to Joanne for being so honest. Uh, not that I feel special that she was. I feel like that had very little to do with any skills of mine and more to do with her very sort of open nature. Uh, you can uh, check her out on Twitter and everything that she said. Uh, please do watch RT2 at 10pm tonight if you're in Ireland and you happen to be listening to this in the next two hours. If not, the show was on last night. Uh, if you listen to it tomorrow, not to confuse you, but then if this is tomorrow, then the show was last night. But then if this is two days from now, forget it. You'll have to watch it on the RT player. Uh, it's, it's good fun. It's kind of straight John Oliver rip. Not ashamed to admit it. And if people think... We're half as good as John Oliver. I will be delighted. Um, what else? Oh, we got some shows coming up. We added a date in Blanchardstown next week. So if you got tickets, if you haven't got tickets for for that, you can get them. And uh, one day you'll understand. Tour is on sale now. So get those get those tickets for Christmas. It's such a handy, easy way to knock off a Christmas present. Not that I like to do too much of a hard sell, but come on, it's a super handy Christmas present. And everybody else is on the bloody radio advertising their gigs. Like as if we all don't know that 
these comedians are doing shows after Christmas so they can sell tickets at Christmas. Come on. But anyway, I'm not doing ads. I'm just promoting myself on my own podcast. It's embarrassing, really. But I know that some of you want to go to the show, so check that out uh, all over the country. Some of them are on Ticketmaster. Some of them are on other websites. Just uh, Google your town and put in Des Bishop Kilkenny, Des Bishop Limerick, Des Bishop Cork, and uh, exactly where the Giggle Beyond will be there. Thanks so much for uh, people that have rated the podcast. Give us five stars on iTunes and leave a review. And uh, I think that's it, really. Um, yeah, that is it. My Snapchat's Des Buffer. My Twitter's at Des Bishop. My Snapchat's Des Bishop. And my Facebook is facebook.com forward slash Des Bishop. Oh, yes. Also very important. I have put on sale my Melbourne, Sydney, and Perth shows for late March into May. So do check that out. That's going to be very exciting. And, um, you know, it's kind of like only half public information. But, you know, I am doing Dancing with the Stars in Ireland. And uh, I'll talk about it more next week. But uh, if you see any rumors about that, they are true. I was going to wait till a little bit later to say it, but I'm doing it. Judge me if you want, because I don't care. Because I have already started dancing, and I love it. And I don't care if people judge me because I absolutely love it. Couldn't be more into it. And I can't wait to start. So, a lot happening in the next year. So, guys, stick around. You're going to be sick of me soon. I'm going to be doing bloody everything. So, for the regular listener, thank you so much for your support. I love you all. And I will chat to you soon. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.